Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Luminet Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Chopra. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and the ever-changing landscape of our healthcare industry. And that could not be more true than the times we are navigating right now. Our goal in the series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry top experts and thought leaders. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and other questions that are top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Marino, managing partner here at Lumina and an industry thought leader for value-based care. Dan, welcome. Hi, Shelley, glad to be here today. Dan, as we all navigate the impact of COVID-19 pandemic, and as healthcare organizations ramp back up through the opening phases, there seem to be two predominant focus areas. While the providers and the clinical staff are focused on providing the patient care and dealing with the new care pathways, new uptake in the volume, the business and financial leaders are struggling with the financial impact that the pandemic has created for healthcare institutions. And one of the questions that's top of mind is how do we recover the lost revenue and achieve a positive impact on the margin? As you mentioned before, Dan, the cash flow might be looking great due to the government subsidies and other loans that were provided, but they have to be paid back. So the balance sheet paints a different picture. And because of the reduction in the elective surgeries that happened when COVID hit us, margins are significantly at risk for the healthcare organizations. So as we think about improving the margins, lost revenue becomes important, but equally important is how do we manage the cost? How do we reduce the expenses to balance it out? What are your thoughts, Dan, on how hospitals can recover the revenue or look at the cost through a new lens? Well, Shelley, due to the recent COVID-19 activities, as you know, many of the elective surgeries have been put on hold. And in some cases, hospitals um, haven't been able to perform elective surgeries for anywhere from between two to three months. That has placed a significant economic pressure on hospitals where their revenues have been reduced quite considerably. And as you mentioned, not only is it impacting their revenues, but many hospitals even before COVID-19 were operating at maybe a one, two, 3% operating margin. So with now, if you're seeing anywhere between a 30 to 40 to 50% reduction in their revenues, these hospitals undoubtedly are gonna be operating at a negative margin. Absolutely. And Dan, that's where it you know, becomes really important that as they ramp back up through the opening phases, it's not just about how do we ramp the staffing back up and deal with increased volume? I think it's gonna take a little bit of a multi, multifaceted approach on how do they look at the cost overall, but then how they also become strategic on identifying opportunities where the lost revenue can be recaptured. Well, and, and the government has done a nice job of infusing cash into the hospitals to cover this period, you know, certainly around the Medicare patients, this period of, of lost revenue. So as you mentioned early on in your opening remarks, the cash flow of the hospitals don't look too bad right now, 
but their balance sheet and their liabilities are, are definitely challenged. But if you look at what the commercial carriers have done, the commercial carriers have, you know, they're sitting on a lot of cash because they've been receiving, continuing to receive the premiums from the, from the employers that haven't paid any claims out. So there is an opportunity to work with the payers to try to see if we can get a level of infused reimbursement or cash to help support some of these providers. With that being said, I'm really happy today to have our colleague, Kathy Najurian, join us, Shelley. Kathy is an exceptional national leader in working with payers, negotiating contracts for providers. Very happy to have her here today. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks, Dan and Shelley. Kathy, talk a little bit about what you see right now um, related to the impact of, of COVID-19 on these hospitals. As we mentioned, elective surgeries dropped considerably, placed tremendous amount of economic pressure on these hospitals. What are you seeing right now? What are you hearing from a lot of the providers? Yes, I have been watching this unfold very closely since uh, the middle of March and and kind of immediately when I saw that all elective surgeries, ambulatory visits were going to have to be canceled, I knew this was going to be very devastating to hospitals and physicians. Those of us in the commercial managed care contracting world, the way we build up reimbursement for our hospitals and doctors, a significant portion of the margins is tied to these elective surgeries that had to all be canceled. You don't make a lot of dollars on your inpatient medical cases, certainly not cases that are severe such as COVID in your ICU. So the devastation of hospitals and doctors cannot be go unsaid. Um, so that's really what I was looking to do early on in the crisis. As, as Shelley said, the clinicians, the doctors, the nurses were the healthcare heroes out there helping the patients. Um, my goal really working with our team here at Lumina is to find a way to help the financial leaders, the managed care leaders, help them infuse their revenues, as you said. Um, so that's you know, really the goal of what we're looking to do. So as we start to look at the way the reimbursement structure has occurred, you know, again, the government, I think, has done a nice job of infusing cash. The commercial carriers really haven't, haven't done too much. Why do you think now's the time? Why do you think some of these you know, CFOs or, or some of the vice presidents of managed care, why do you think they're gonna be able to get out and really negotiate with some of these carriers to infuse some cash? Yeah, I think the momentum is obviously, the coin is healthcare heroes. I think um, talking to my colleagues on the payer side, they see the devastation. They understand that certain hospitals, independent physician groups could go out of business. Um, you know, the headlines are hospital margins plummet, margins sink below 100%. The financial ratings moves hospitals to negative. Interesting, the financial ratings give health insurance the outlook of stable. I mean, this line really hits home. Large health insurers appear to be immune to COVID-19. So the payers understand they're really the only ones outside of the government in a position to help providers. So I think they want to help, but they're not going to do anything for free. There's got to be creative win-win solutions. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's such an important part of refocusing the economic structure of some of these hospitals. But I can't help but wonder, you know, as I'm talking to some of the CFOs, they really feel like they're in a disadvantage with many of these payers. They feel like they, they don't have much leverage to begin to negotiate. What are a couple of things or some of the advice that you would give to some of the CFOs or the vice presidents of managed care for them to really negotiate with some of these payers? What can they do? Yeah, I think the key thing is 
leveraging your existing relationships and having collegial friendly relationships is more important than ever. And doing that outreach, you know, being honest with the payers. The first thing I told all my CFOs is get your financial model projections together, be transparent to the payers, let them see how much you are bleeding, let them see what has happened with your dollars and let them know what that Delta is. Is that $40 million? Is it $160 million? Maybe go to each payer and say, what can you do to help me with a fair share? You know, the, the first thing I did quickly was elective surgery volume with payer A, I've lost $45 million over the last five months. What can you do to help me get those dollars back in my organization? So just starting like that, is there quality incentives in your contracts where you can bring those due early? We have a track record of hitting 85% on our incentives. That equals $2 million. Can we get those dollars sooner than later? I agree. I think the more the CFOs can be really focused on what the ask is, not ask for anything too big, but not ask for anything too small, but really to, to be very focused on what they need to cover. And especially over the last three months, you know, as you start to see shifts inside a service, reduction in some of the reimbursement for the commercial carriers. If they can go to the carriers and say, hey, we need some type of uh, increased reimbursement for this three month period in order to make us whole, in order to really you know, ensure the economic viability of our organization, in my mind, that becomes critical to their success. Yes, I think that's very doable. Uh, I, you know, I think another area is you're having to move care to different sites. The main, if you're a system, your main tertiary hospital is the one inundated with the COVID patients. You're trying to isolate them. You're moving other patients to other settings of care, outpatient, community hospitals, ASCs. The reimbursement structure from the payers is typically lower in those other settings. So another easy win between the payer and provider is to say, well, pay me hospital A, tertiary hospitals rates in this community hospital setting for the next 90 days so that again, I can even out the reimbursement that I lost. How about for some of those provider organizations that are in some value-based care contracts? Do you think there's an opportunity to maybe accelerate some of the, the payments around some of this value-based care you know, performance activities? Is there anything that you believe the providers can do to help accelerate you know, some of that performance-based reimbursement? Yes, I think anything that is more pay for performance based where it's very specific quality efficiency outcome measures where you have a past history and a track record. I think there's opportunities there to do a pulse check to say how are we doing so far during our performance period. Let's average maybe how we did the last five years in the performance period and infuse us an upfront payment that maybe down the road we can reconcile next year if we didn't actually earn at those levels. I think the harder part is anything that's more of a shared saving, shared risk, where it's based on a cost target. It's very hard to do that kind of midstream. But I think what it really does is open up the potential for a renegotiation of those risk terms because your cost targets, everything is gonna be off. Nobody would have planned for this. You have volumes that went up, you have volumes that went down, different costs. So I think what this really does is open up an opportunity for payers and providers to relook at any value-based care arrangements see how they be, need to be renegotiated, or exciting opportunity for organizations who really haven't gotten into value-based care. Now's a really good time to start having those dialogues because it really can create the right future environment, more budgeted cash flows coming in if you can get some PMPM, PM, care management fees, those types of things.
Yeah, that's a great point. So really begin to think about what we can capture in the short term, right? This three to six month um, true up of, of some dollars, but then really begin to think about what that impact is of cost on a longer term value-based care strategy. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about telehealth. You know, telehealth has really taken off. And, um, you know, the government has come back and said, you know, we're going to keep a level of reimbursement for telehealth services for quite some time. The commercial carriers have said, okay, we're going to do it in the short term, but really not sure how it's going to impact for the long term. And it definitely is impact the site of service. What are some of your recommendations or what are you seeing in terms of being able to negotiate the right level of rates for telehealth services? Yeah, telehealth has one, been one of my passion areas for the last few years. Uh, the commercial payers have not been willing to allow the local providers to establish telehealth reimbursement and contracts. They have gone with all the national vendors out there and wanted one solution for the whole country. That does not fit. Uh, you basically need your local providers to be able to have that continuity of care and treat their patients in all settings and have it integrated back into their EMR. So my big advice has been to all my colleagues on the provider side is go to the payers now and say, I want to establish a permanent addition to my contract to add telehealth. And you've got to be pretty strong and diligent on the reimbursement because the RVUs tied to telehealth is significantly lower than in-person visits. And the payers, if they just flow it through a percent of Medicare fee schedule, you're going to get paid half of an in-person visit. And at least right now during COVID, everybody, governmental and commercial payers have agreed to pay it at the same levels as in-person. That's what providers need to negotiate for is that same level of reimbursement. Well, and I think when you look at the cost of care component as well, the cost of care in providing a telehealth visit or telehealth services is less than what it's going to be for an in-person visit. So I think back to your earlier point, this taken into consideration with the impact of a value-based care contract and the impact to that PMPM is also important. Probably another great driver to really begin to think about how you can renegotiate some of that contract. Yes, I think telehealth is actually a great future population health care coordination strategy, not just for visits, but what a great way for the care coordinators to check in on their patients. Nowadays, when you know, I sit with our different nurses at my hospitals, they're calling the patients and having these dialogues. Now that people are getting the technology, they're getting more comfortable doing the Zoom visits and the virtual visits. It'll be a much more amazing experience, much more connection points if our care coordinators can actually see and talk to their patients and talk to them about the gaps in care, the medication management. Um, so I think there's no limits to telehealth. As everybody says, the new normal has to have a future solution around telehealth, other innovations, technology. Yeah, these are great points, Kathy. I think what you've touched on, just ensuring that the CFOs um, model what their loss is and really being be clearly clearly understand um, what the impact of the reduction of their elective surgeries, the impact of COVID, I think helps them really define the ask. And you know, one of the other things I appreciate is you've given some really good concrete suggestions of what CFOs could begin to do in negotiating a you know a short term um, reimbursement differential, if you will or tying that to some type of a value-based care outcome and, and even telehealth services. All great suggestions for our audience. 
any other final recommendations or suggestions that you would give to our CFO listeners or folks who are listening that, you know, are in a vice president of managed care role, if you will? Well, one area that is completely untapped that has been one of my greatest areas of interest over the last 10 years is centers of excellence, direct to employer arrangements, where if your hospital physician group is very much known for a core service line or in general for providing services to your community, those that need us very much now besides the hospital and physician community are our employers that have also suffered significant losses. So employers are going to be looking for cost savings, for value, for partnership. I think it's a great time for providers to reach out to their local community employers and talk about how can we work together? How can we you know, manage this population? Frankly, keep our pulse on this population and see what's happening with COVID now that you're opening up your plants, your offices. We want to help be a solution to let you know if you're starting to get another surge in your you know, employee population. So I think very good opportunities there between providers and employers working directly outside of the insurance contract environment. Well, and especially when you start to think about costs and managing the costs, employers obviously are going to be very concerned about that as they start to re-engage their business and start to, again, incorporate a lot of their, you know, their employees back into their operations. I want to thank you, Kathy, for for today's conversation. This is really great. I know we're going to continue this conversation um, into the future. Shelly, Kathy brought up some great points. I think as organizations start to focus on realigning their margins, this revenue recovery strategies and, and some of these initiatives that Kathy brought out are going to be critical in helping them right-size the ship. Absolutely. And what I liked and what Kathy pointed out was be prepared. If you invest in doing the financial modeling, identifying very specific, tangible opportunities that you want to propose to your pairs, your partners, on how to look at for some creative solutions, then that can bring about and set up a win-win situation for all parties. And I think that is definitely going to be one of the lens healthcare organizations need to look through to really you know, look at the revenue recovery go forward. Absolutely. And I think part of what, you know, important when we talk about margin, the revenue is extremely important, but also the cost component is equally yes. important. Mm -hmm. That's almost like the second part of the equation, Dan. While we look at opportunities to recover or recoup the lost revenue, how do we get creative and very targeted in managing the cost component, the expenses, in reducing any kind of variation, reducing any kind of redundant expenses out of the system. So both of those things can really you know, bring about stability in the bottom line margin. We wanna thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care. To learn more about us, visit us on luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. You can also find additional blogs, thought leadership on this topic, and transcript of our podcast episode on our website, luminahp.com. Join us again next time, wherein Dan and I continue to dive deeper into the cost management component for margin improvement 
as the healthcare organizations navigate the recovery through the COVID-19 pandemic. We're so excited to have our colleague Rick Howard join us next time, where he brings in some very tangible insights on what data and what approach can be used to manage the cost and to reduce the cost out of the healthcare system in these times. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.